Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, that time of worship and those testimonies are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we love how our worship team uh, and our media team during the season is really working really hard uh, to make sure that each one of us that is watching or hearing uh, this, these life experiences are, are getting absolutely blessed by it. We're hearing so many testimonies of, of God's goodness because of these life experiences uh, that go in week in and week out. So we just, we're so grateful to God uh, for our teams that are, that are serving during this season. Uh, and we just want to say that you are a blessing to the church globally, uh, to Life Church Global, literally. Uh, and we're, we're just so absolutely blessed. You know, as a, as a church community, I want you to know that, uh, that you have done so well during this season. One of the toughest seasons uh, for, for us as uh, all the church worldwide, you have done so well. And we just want you to know that Kelsey and I are very proud of you. Uh, you have stood strong during the season. You have built community. And our church has really grown in leaps and bounds during the season. You know, uh, we're so um, grateful to God for each one of you because of your faithfulness and your commitment to the kingdom of God that our church has really grown globally. Uh, you know, uh, you have proven, Life Church Global, you have proven uh, that, um, that our church is not limited uh, to just four walls. Our church is not limited to just um, uh, uh, two gatherings a week. You have proven that during this season that the church can grow, the church can thrive. It's because of your, um, uh, your desire to go deep in relationships with people, to go in deep with building eternal. You have forged eternal relationships and bonds with people in our community that has really carried our value system during this season. That where everything else is testifying against the value Value system. It is our value system of Life Church Global that has really thrived in this season. And we just want you to know that we are so proud of each one of you. You have done well in this season. You have been faithful. You have been committed. And we honor your commitment to God's house and, and your faithfulness to God's house. Truly, the, the mandate of global transformation is being fulfilled through your lives through your commitment and through your faithfulness. You know, it's not about food, fun and fellowship around the word uh, anymore, but it's about receiving the word. It's about applying the word and it's about manifesting the word in this season. And we want you to know that you have done well. And so today I've got a good word for you. Uh, we're going to continue on the series on, on the man in the mirror. And uh, the title of my message today is the glory of the sun. All right. So so Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 9, actually Matthew chapter 13 is one of the most important messages or parables that Jesus um, teaches um, to, to people. And uh, uh, he talks about a sower who went out to sow seed. Uh, and he sowed seed, some on uh, the pathway and some on stony ground. And some seed fell on the, in, in the thorns and thistles. And some seed fell on good ground and, and each type of ground produced a different type of harvest. Uh, and, but Jesus makes a, a statement at the end of that parable uh, and he says this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's a very, it's a very uh, uh, phenomenal statement that really brings to close the, the story of the parable, but, but it really, uh, it really uh, brings closure to what Jesus was talking about in the parable. But the disciples come to Jesus and they ask Jesus a very specific question. They, they ask him, Jesus, why do you teach them in parables? It's a very specific question. Why do you teach them in parables. And to that, Jesus in verse 11 uh, responds to the disciples and he says this, it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but it's not been given to them. It's a very specific answer to a specific question. The question the disciples asked Jesus is, why are you teaching them in parables? And Jesus answers about us. He answers what he's doing for the disciples. And I really was looking at these two statements. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And I was pondering on it um, during this week. Uh, and, I, and I've come to understand that hearing or the ability to hear and the ability to understand revelation is very closely linked. 
And what I, what I mean by this is when Jesus, whether he spoke in parables or he taught or, or the scripture uh, or any part of, of God's word um, really is a vessel that really carries uh, God's intentions in it. The word of God is a vessel that carries the intentions of God in when he's speaking to us. All right. So whether it's a parable or whether it's Jesus' teachings on the, on, the, on the mount or whatever the stories are in, in the scripture, the scripture itself is a vessel that carries something. Now, to, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he says, it, 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 he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But he, he also says, that um, uh, it, it, it has been given to you to know the mysteries, which means to people who are not in the kingdom of God, the teachings or the parables or, or scripture hides a mystery. So God hides something in scripture. He, he, he makes it mysterious to the ones who are not in the kingdom, which means when a person who is not in the kingdom of God, who, does not receive, who has not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, really uh, look at the scriptures just as a book and this is mysterious. Why, why would he say these things? I mean, some part contradicts the other part and it just doesn't make sense. And, and to a person who's really doesn't have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he, they don't, everything is a mystery. But to those who are in the kingdom of God, those who belong to God as their father, who, who, um, who, who are secure in their identity, um, he says uh, they have been given years to hear. Why? Is because for us it has been given to understand the mysteries, which means that, that when Jesus teaches, whether it's a parable or a teaching or, or whatever Jesus is, is releasing right now, we have the ability to receive an understanding of God's intention in the word, which means in God's word, God's word is a vessel that carries the intention or carries a mystery or carries a glory that reveals something to sons. So which means the sons of God, when the sons of God read scripture, we read the scripture because we, we are, God is opening our eyes to receive something from scripture. All right, so when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. The, the word ear over there, or the organ that we think, we think that Jesus is talking about just ears to hear. But if you look at the, the Greek meaning of the word year, it means that God has given us a faculty of hearing. That faculty of hearing really gives us an understanding of God's heart in what he's saying. Right? So which means the faculty of hearing is a grace gift. This is very important. That God has given us a grace gift to hear what he is saying. So which means the grace gift, when I hear what God is saying, I'm able to see what he is saying. Which means I perceive or I understand what he is saying. So every time I hear God's word, God has given us a grace gift that when I hear the, the, the voice of God or I hear the audible voice or I hear the, or the written word or I hear uh, the, the, uh, the spoken word, there is a revelation. God is revealing something and it, it only is released to me according to the faculty of my hearing. So in everything that God says, whether it's written or spoken, how you hear enables you to receive the revelation that God wants you to have. And 99% of the time, God is revealing the glory of the Son to you. He's revealing the glory of the Son to you so that you could behold the glory of the Son and become transformed into the image and likeness of the Son. Right, so which means that, that, that for the sons of God who are a new creation, God has created in each one of us, a, He's given us a faculty, it's a grace gift. He's given us a grace gift to hear what God is saying or what His intention is in what He's saying. So how you hear is more important than what you hear. How you hear 
gives you an understanding or a perspective of God's heart in what he says. Uh, when there is glory in what God is revealing to the sons, how we hear it decides whether that glory remains or it fades away. So for, so for those who, whose, minds are not, who, who are, whose minds are still limited by the law, whose minds are not being renewed, they're still under the law. You are a son of God for sure. You are born again for sure. You have the spirit of God on the inside of you. But if your mind is not renewed by, the, by, the, by grace, then you will only hear what God is saying according to the law. And if you, you will only see the law in what God is saying, right? I'm not trying to confuse you, but I, I hope that you understand what I'm saying. When, when God speaks and your mind is not renewed by grace, you would only hear and see the law in what God is saying. And when you apply that in your life, you will have a glory that fades away. But if your mind is renewed by the grace, by a grace revelation, then the glory of God that is revealed to you is an ever-increasing glory. This is very powerful because how you hear determines the, the, the stewarding of the glory of God. It's very important because a lot of people, when you get saved and come into the kingdom of God, your mind is, needs to be renewed from a law-based system, a law-based relationship with God. And when you come into grace and you come into a covenant of grace, your mind needs to be renewed. The faculty of hearing, it's not the ear, but a faculty of understanding. It's a faculty of hearing that decides how you hear. That needs to be renewed. And I'm going to go through this today and I'm going to show you how God changes our minds. God renews our minds about how we hear God rather than what we hear from God. All right. It's very, it's very important. So I want you to go uh, with me to the book of Titus. And we must understand that in the new covenant of grace, uh, that grace it is a gift that God gives us that enables us to understand him and receive what is hidden. What is hidden, ladies and gentlemen, is the glory of the Son in the Word. And the Bible says that Jesus was the, uh, Jesus is the glory of the Father. Jesus is the express image of the glory of the Father. So which means in the Word, God has embedded his intention and that intention is for you to see the glory of the Son as He is. And it is only a revelation of grace that, that renews your mind that you will be able to see the Son as He is today. I want you to go with me to the book of Titus and um, we'll, to the second chapter and we'll read from verse 11 to 13. And it says this, pay attention to the scripture now, okay? It says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every law, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. All right. So what he's saying here is that for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And the first thing it does is it teaches. When I was talking about when Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, right? That is a grace gift. That faculty of hearing is a grace gift from God that begins to teach you how to hear. It teaches you that, that, um, that, that if you want to move from, from a worldly system, if you want to move from being influenced and under the lust of this world, he doesn't 
He teaches you by not correcting you, but he teaches you by shifting your gaze. He teaches you by looking. If you want to live righteously, if you want to have a godly life, if you want to live justly, you, he, he doesn't, he doesn't um, point out your flaws to you, but in fact, he, he gets you to shift your gaze and look at what? In verse 13, he says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance of our great, of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. This is so important. When grace enters into your life, when the grace of God, the faculty of hearing, the grace gift begins to enter into your life and your mind begins to get renewed, grace begins to teach you how to come out of being influenced by the world and the world's lust into living righteously, godly and justly. And the way it does that is not by correcting your mistakes, by not by pointing out your flaws, by not saying that you're a sinner. Grace gets you to look at the glory of the sun. And this is so important because, because a lot of times when we, uh, you know, in, in Christianity, and this has been done so much in the past, when we want people to change, we, we really point out their flaws to them. We say, ah, you, you, you're a sinner, you smoke, you drink, you do this, you do that. And we try and, and we get their eyes to open up to see, oh man, what a sinner I am. But grace does not do that. The Lord does it. The law causes you to look at yourself as a sinner. It causes you to look at sin. The, the law was the standard, God's standard of righteousness that was given to man. And man was never good enough. They would never amount to, to being uh, righteous before God because they always had a sin issue. And they were always looking. The law always pointed at sin in your life. And when you turn from God and you look at sin, you will only sin. See, you must understand how we, God created us. It has to do with what we look at. How we hear causes us to look at certain things. Because everything that we look at starts with a thought in the mind. It starts with something that we're hearing. But how we hear positions us to receive from God either the glory of God or be caught in the lust of this world. And so long, you know, for so many years, Christians have wanted to come out of these habits, wanted to come out of this, you know, being stuck in the world and being stuck in the system of the world. And you've been trying and you, you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fast. I'm going to switch off my phone. I'm going to switch off my mobile phone. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm, I'm going to fast from this girl. I'm going to fast from that guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to fast from meat because I want to get off from this, from this habit. And I want to tell you, if that is your method, then you're still under the law. But in grace, the way God corrects you, the way God disciplines you, is that he causes you to turn your attention and look at the glorious sun. He, look, he causes you to look at the glory of God. Where's the glory of God? God's intention is that his glory, the glory of the sun, was hidden in his word. And when you look at the word, because you're a son and your mind is renewed by grace, it causes you that faculty of hearing, the grace gift begins to teach you about the glory of God. And every time you turn your attention and you look at the glory of the son, you begin to deny. He says here, you deny worldly lust. You deny ungodliness. You deny it, which means you overcome that by looking at Jesus. This is so phenomenal for the day that we live in because, you know, we have so many things in our life that distract us, that cause us. I mean, uh, look at our cell phones, for example. I mean, first it was the TV and then we had a cell phone and, and, and now we have this screen that we look at the whole day. We spend more time looking at that screen on, on social media or what is happening in all this. It's constantly at us and it's causing us to look at it and the more we look at that phone the more we look at what's happening on that phone 
Where it causes us to have a certain behavior pattern. It causes us to be attracted to the world. It causes us to be affected by the lusts of this world. But rather, I'm not saying cell phones are bad. I'm just saying that you're spending too much time looking at it rather than looking at the sun. Because our responsibility is to be transformed into the image and likeness of the sun. Our identity is that we are sons of God. And when you're a son of God, it's not the end. You begin to mature as a son of God. You must understand that. We have to mature as a son. And so the way we mature as the sons of God is that we keep looking at the glory. And every time we look at the glory of God, it increases in our life. You know, my dad uh, used to sing this beautiful song when, when, I, when, I, when we were growing up. It's turn your eyes upon Jesus. You know, he says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's so powerful. I, I never forgot that song. And it always reminded me when I was going through a tough day, when I was going through, when I was struggling, when having a battle. The way we win battles in the new covenant is by just shifting our gaze. By turning our attention from not looking at our battles and our struggles to looking at the one who has overcome all our battles, who has overcome all our struggles, who has overcome and given us victory. I would rather look at victory than look at suffering. I would rather look at, 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 at being an overcomer rather than looking at, at somebody who is an undergoer. And this is very important for us in this day and age. It's so easy for us to be led by, by what we look at. But God is inviting us in grace to look at the sun. This, what, what I'm saying is so um, uh, well described in, in Luke 15. And I want you to go to Luke 15 right now. So I want to read from verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not, and not many days after, this young, younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with, wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. Surprise! And he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his field to, fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, this is very important. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's Hired servants have bread enough and spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great distance off, a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Oh. And the father said to the servants, Bring the, out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be 
Mary. This is such a phenomenal story. I mean, we're, most of us know the story, but I, I want to bring out something here that really um, emph really emphasizes, re-emphasizes what I was talking about earlier. We know that the son takes the father's, you know, he takes his inheritance and he goes and he spends it and it with lavish living. And he, he when, when the famine comes, he has no money left. And now he links himself with another man. And that another man could be the world. And there are times and seasons in our life where we have, we have good days with God. And, and we think that this thing will go on forever. And we allow ourselves to get plugged in into the world. And that glory that we had, because it's a, it's a fading glory, it just diminishes away. And in times of need, we tend to link ourselves with people who are not part of the kingdom. And so those people tend to use us. They have no use of us. And so they, they, they give him a job to feed the pigs and he, his desire for food is so much that he was willing to eat what the pigs were eating. That was the state. But the son had a moment of self-realization. This is very important. He, he realized what he was doing based on how his father had treated his servants. Wow. This is phenomenal. See, the son did not realize how good the father was to him. But he compared his situation to how good God was to somebody else. Oh, this is so important. If you are going through a tough season right now, we've shared so many testimonies just before, just before I started the word of how good God was to somebody else. You might be going through a tough season right now, but if you can only shift your focus off your season onto what God has done for somebody else, it will cause you to have a self-realization moment. See, God was not, the father was not angry with the son. When the son came to the father, the father did not say to him, see, listen, your mistake was that you should have, shouldn't have taken my, the, your inheritance. You have now wasted it. Now you have to come and you have, I'm going to punish you and I'm going to make you like one of my servants. See, when the son came and asked the father for forgiveness and he says, make me like one of your servants, the father did not even respond to him. In grace, we think that God responds according to our repentance. Our, our thing, oh God, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner. God doesn't even regard you as a sinner. He doesn't even look at you as a sinner. When you go to God and say, God, you know, I've made a mistake. I've spoken against this person. I've done this and I've done that. God does not even respond to you. In fact, he responds to his servants and he says bring the best robe bring the ring and bring the sandals for his feet he doesn't even respond to the son saying i forgive you because he had no he had no unforgiveness in his heart towards his son and we must understand what grace is grace because of god's grace in our life because he's given us that faculty that gift of grace god's grace towards us empowers us to understand God's intention when he speaks to us. God's heart towards us. And God's heart is not, that he's not angry with you anymore. He's not waiting to pour out his wrath and judge you anymore. In fact, he's looking for an opportunity for you to come back. He's looking, just come back, take that one step and he will take 99 towards you. Come on, this is so powerful. And God is, and the father looks at the son and he hugs him and he kisses him. And he says, bring out the fatted calf. Bring out, let's have a celebration because my son who was dead is now alive. See, every time you fellowship with the world, it causes you to have, it causes you to, to have a dead experience. It causes you to experience death and destruction. But when you experience grace, you are brought into grace. Man, that grace begins to, uh, to reveal life. It begins to release life from God the Father into you. See, we must understand that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it wasn't God that told them that they were naked. It was the knowledge of good and evil. It was the fruit that they ate. The knowledge of good and evil. It was the knowledge of the law. Let's say it, the law wasn't 
uh, at that moment there was no law but the knowledge of good and evil uh, told them that they were naked that they were sinners and that's why they hid and god even though he's all knowing just imagine this god even though he knows exactly what has happened at the minute when it happened when when she took the first bite and gave it to the uh, to the guy he knew exactly what happened but he came to them to fellowship with them that is grace god doesn't even look at you according to your sin and we're talking about pre law now and god comes in the garden and he says where are you where are you adam and adam's response is like hey i'm hiding because i'm i'm naked and god's response is who told you you were naked because there's a faculty there's a voice the knowledge of good and evil became a faculty in their in their in their hearing and their understanding that told them that they were sinners if you if you have been born again into the kingdom of god and you still believe that you're a sinner ladies and gentlemen you are still under the law and the law constantly tells you that you are not good enough the law tells you that you're a sinner the law always keeps you as a sinner and if you can behold if you are beholding law in front of you that you're a sinner you are not you are not righteous you have to work for your righteousness you have to work for for god to be pleased by you then that's exactly what you will become but if you can remove the law and you can allow the grace of god to renew your mind then you will see the glory of god he said grace teaches you paul is saying grace teaches you it educates you it's just so amazing when we think about parenting in our in our church in a, in christianity a lot of times you know parents want to punish their kids for doing something wrong how about not talking about what they've done wrong but educating them about what is right because when you shift your focus to a, from a, for a child to seeing what is right according to your eyes according to your understanding it will cause them to not feel guilty it will cause them not to feel condemned and then turn to what is right but actually they will have a self realization and they will pick and choose what is right and god really his grace gives us the ability to choose what is right grace gives us the power it is it's a grace it's a god given gift it's a power from god it's god's ability it's god's nature god's character that enables you to choose to turn and look at the glory of the sun and this is so important for us when we look at this story here that the father never addressed the son's issues in fact the father looked at the son his the son who sinned according to his revelation not the son's revelation we go to god and sometimes we impress we try to impress god of how great of a sinner we are but i want to let you know that god doesn't listen to those prayers because he has his son in mind when he looks at you So it, we need to change the way we communicate with a good father. When we when we go to a when we approach God the Father, he, we need to know that he is already pleased with us. We need to know that he already loves us. He's already blessed. Where he's so happy the fact that you've just come come back into his family. You've come back into the into understanding his heart for you. He he knows that you that you know that he's been good to his servants. He you know that he you've seen him acting in people's lives and that has caused you to come back to a place, have a self-realization moment. See the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Not the punishment of God, not the judgment of God, not the correction of God. but it's the goodness of god how is god good to you how does god we want people to be punished you deserve the punishment but god's like yeah jesus already paid for that it becomes it becomes it's an injustice to put a a uh, a judgment upon a person when that price has already been paid for and so god the father really looks at you the way he sees his son perfect blameless holy that is a grace way to understand scripture that's a grace way to look at scripture to look at the glory of god and you know 
when we when we understand that repentance starts with reflecting upon the goodness of God and it is God's goodness that reveals his glory repentance starts by reflecting or meditating upon the goodness of God and the goodness of God reveals his glory maybe right now you are not experiencing some goodness in your life maybe you've your faculty of hearing is only being filled with with negative things with sin with troubles with virus news and this news and that news but i want to tell you that if you allow the grace of god to begin to teach you god will educate you about his glory he won't give you five steps to come out of sin in fact he will just cause you to shift you it's so simple just shift your gaze the hard part for us is to to stop looking at that <laughs> the at our past the hard part is is to stop looking at i'm a worthless guy i am a sinner you know i i never amount to anything good well that's that's true because it's no longer the bible says it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life that i now live i live by the faith of the son of god not even my faith is good enough anymore i need the faith of the son So if you are constantly condemning yourself then you need to go back to last week's message and deal with the me 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 me. <laughs> and when you deal with the me 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 and you get out of that place and you come into a place of 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 talking about him 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 then you will begin to see how glorious God made you. how wonderful he made you the bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made you are not you're not sinfully and and made and cringefully made you are fearfully and wonderfully made god doesn't look at you and and, and frown when he looks at you he looks at you like you're just about it's a celebration that's about to happen he looks at you like you are a party that's just about to happen in fact he throws a party in heaven every time a son comes home I love partying with God. I think he's the most I I not I think I know he is the most happiest person in all of creation. He loves celebration. But God doesn't celebrate when you think and you believe that you've come out of sin. God celebrates when you look at the glory of the sun. When you look to Jesus your glorious hope when you look to that great god when you just turn your affection because he knows that you at the minute you turn your eyes upon jesus everything of this world you just automatically become an overcomer and then now he 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 begins to celebrate because one son is looking at the glory of the son of all sons and every time you behold him the power of his glory the only begotten son jesus christ when he, the power that is in his glory has the ability to transform you that is so powerful it's not even your strength that you have to look at jesus now i have to fight sin i have to fight temptation i have to i'm not going to look at the world i'm i'm not going to look i'm not going to look i'm only going to go to look at jesus no we're still striving but when grace comes and grace begins to teach you it's such a beautiful adventure where he gives you the strength when you decide i'm going to turn my affection upon jesus and you look at jesus gee the glory that is in the only begotten son begins to transform you this is so powerful that even our transformation in our life is not even out of our own strength it happens by the grace of God. I want you uh, to go with me to Romans chapter 8 and we'll read um, from verse 18 onwards. Romans chapter 8. I want to I just want to show you where you can find this glory because people often think that it is only in the second coming of Jesus that I will see the glory of God. Okay? Here's what Paul is saying. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy 
to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So the positioning of the glory is in us. It's very important. The glory of the Son is found in you and me. This glory is not on the external. Why? Is Because God is invisible. His glory, his, the attributes of His glory is that it's invisible. But it's found in you and me. The glory of the Son. So every time grace begins to teach you, grace begins to equip you by the hearing, and when you hear according to the faculty of grace, it positions you to look at the glory on the inside of you. It doesn't look, cause you to look at the glory that is on somebody else's life. There's a glory on the inside of you. Now that glory, if you're under the law, that glory could fade away. But if you're in grace, that glory, is, is, it remains. Right? And so this is very important now. Every time you look at the sun, there's glory on the inside of you, but there's also the glory of the sun. And when I look at the glory of the sun, it causes me to be changed. It causes me to be transformed into the image and likeness of the sun. But that glory, it starts on the inside of me. Right? John chapter 1. In fact, let me say this. There's glory not only in Christians. Not only in born again believers. There's glory on the inside of all of humanity. There's let, me, let me push it a little bit more further. There's glory on the inside of all of creation. How do I know this? John chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this, All things were made through Him. Which means, who is Him? He's the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And through Him, all things were made that were made. Everything carries this element of the glory of God. Have you ever been uh, to um, a, a mountaintop uh, and you've trekked up the mountaintop and have you ever looked, you've reached the top and have you looked at the expanse of, at the beauty of creation and you were impressed, wow, this is so beautiful, this is so peaceful? That is the glory that you're looking at. That is the glory of creation. Have you ever looked at a, at a newborn baby and you've seen the face of that child? You've held that baby. There's something about that child. That's the glory of God. Have you looked at a, at a king who's walking down the street and people fall down on their knees and they honor him? Why? It's because it's the glory upon that person. But Jesus, who is the express, now Jesus is the express image of the glory of the Father. The Word of God, right, carries within itself. The Word is the express image of the glory. If you want to see the glory of God, it's right here. This Word, the spoken Word, became flesh. So in John chapter 1 and verse 14, John describes this glory. Okay, he gives a definition of this glory. And he says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is the glory of God? The glory of God is full of grace and truth. Grace and truth Together is the glory of God. So we must understand, the invisible attributes of the glory of God become visible when grace and truth are involved. So which means that, that if I want to manifest glory, if God wants to manifest His glory, the weighty presence, the, the tangible presence of His glory, if God wants to manifest His presence, it always comes through grace and through truth. Grace and truth together manifest the glory of God. If you communicate truth in grace, then you manifest the glory of God. So when, when grace and truth are manifested in you, you will see the glory of God that God sees in you. 
every time grace and truth is manifested, every time is manifested in you, you will see the glory of God within you. See, you must understand that the faculty of hearing gives you an understanding so that you can see. The faculty of hearing gives you an understanding so that you can see the glory of God. It's invisible, but yet you can see it. Paul says, you know, uh, I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart be enlightened. So every time the word of God comes, the grace of God enlightens your, your eyes because the glory begins to manifest in your life. Truth and grace together enlighten your eyes. Truth and grace together reveals this glory. This glory begins to shine on the inside of you and it enlightens your eyes. It, it, it renews your mind. It brings you out of your subconscious into a more conscious state and aware of the glory of God on the inside of you. This is very powerful. You must understand, in the garden, the knowledge of good and evil revealed their nakedness. And it caused them to, to stay in that place of sin. But when in the new covenant of grace, grace and truth unveil the glory of the Son. It doesn't even talk about you. Grace doesn't even reveal your flaws. Grace does not even reveal your mistakes. It reveals everything that's right about Jesus. And it causes you to look at Jesus. And every time you look at Jesus... Everything that is about Jesus begins to get transformed into you. It renews your mind and transforms your life, which means you receive an impartation of the glory of God every time you look at Jesus. Every time you look at the hidden glory, the hidden mysteries, it's a mystery to the people of the world, but it's not a mystery to us. It's a revelation to us. The, when, when grace comes and begins to reveal the word of God to us, he reveals the glory of the Son. When I look at the glory of the Son, that glory, I receive an impartation of that glory into my life. And every time I look at that glory on the inside of me, I go from glory to glory. We must understand that the grace of God is that, yes, it is the favor of God. Yes, it is the kindness of God. Yes, it is, but it's also his abilities. It's his nature. It's his character. It's his power in and through our lives. And this grace gift has been given to each one of us so that we can not just focus on our sins, but we can focus on the sun. And every time... We operate, every time truth is operated in grace, we manifest the glory of God. If Christians want to know, how do I manifest the glory of God? Firstly, you've got to be in grace. And secondly, you've got to communicate the truth. You've got to communicate the truth in grace. You can communicate the truth in the law and you can destroy people. In fact, the, 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 the scripture says it, the word without the spirit kills. The letter without the spirit kills. But the letter with the spirit gives life. And so we must understand that grace and truth manifest the glory of God. And whenever we communicate with people, when we see the flaws of people, when I see the flaws of my boss at work, when I see the flaws of my, my, my colleague at work, if I want them to change, if I want them to, if I want to see a transformation in their life, we shouldn't be pointing out their flaws. We shouldn't be pointing out their mistakes to somebody else. We shouldn't be ratting on them and, 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 and talking about them and gossiping about their flaws. In fact, we need to go to them and speak the truth in grace. The truth not about their mistakes, but the truth about Jesus. We think, yeah, 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 you know, I got to speak the truth. Brother, I've got to speak the truth uh, and I've got to talk about their mistakes and, you know, that'll bring change in their life. No, it won't bring change in their life. That's the, you're speaking the fact, not the truth. The truth is Jesus. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. He doesn't speak the truth. He is the truth. And he says, I am the life. And every time we come into a place where we, 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 we have to communicate if I'm communicating about the sun, then I'm causing a sinner to turn and look at the sun.
I'm causing a person who is flawed to look at someone who is not flawed. I'm causing someone to turn and look at the one who can give him grace to overcome those flaws. This is so powerful. You know, we live in a day and age where people are constantly talking about negative things about people. We, we see the news uh, and the media, uh, just, they just look for a negative story. I would love for a day when we just talk about the good. How good would the world become? How glorious would the world become if we begin to speak about the glory of the sun, the glory, the goodness of God in one another? It's so easy to point out mistakes and it's so difficult to point out God because people struggle because they don't know their God. It's so easy to point out mistakes because we so fellowship with mistakes all the time. But if we're, if we're spending time looking at the sun, I don't know the definition of sin. I don't know the definition of a mistake. I don't know the definition of flaws because I, I, it, it's, not even, it's not even real to me. But He is real to me. You know, I, I've often used this example when I'm preaching at church and I said, for a person to know the difference between a fake note and a real note is that that person has to spend time years on end with real notes. When he feels that real note and he begins to study that real note, he knows every single thing about that note, that currency. So when he gets his hand on a fake note, he knows instantly that that is a fake. But we have to spend so much time. We have to be so in tune with God with he, with that His grace needs to equip us. His grace needs to train us and teach us as sons of God who are maturing to become, to be like the Son so that we can be transformed into the glory of the Son. When we carry the glory of the Son, we know when another glory is fading away. We know when, when the things of this world that come to us, that, that beckon at our hearts, the things of the lust of this world that cause us to, that brings temptation into our, it doesn't even, it does not even become a temptation when you are so fully engrossed with the sun. Jesus operated, Jesus who was the truth, operated more in grace than anyone else in the Bible. He was the word. He could have, this is before the cross, before he went to the cross, he could have judged everybody. He could have destroyed them. But Jesus chose to bring in a kingdom, to bring in a new covenant of grace. And I want to show you this in the book of John, chapter 8, and we'll read from verses 1 to 11. This is a familiar story to us, but I want to highlight something about the grace of God to us. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought, a, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when he had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now listen to this. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? <laughs> they are asking the truth who operated in grace what his opinion about this woman is. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus, who's full of grace, full of truth, did not hear an accusation. A valid accusation. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, 
He who is without sin among you, let him throw the f- stone at her first. And then he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman he said to her, "Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you?" She said, "No one, Lord." And Jesus said to her, "Neither do I condemn you." And this is powerful. Go and sin no more. So we must understand this. So powerful to see grace and truth in operation. Jesus is doing what Jesus does. Grace was teaching in the temple. And so they bring now the law to Jesus. They bring the law to the word made flesh, grace and truth, the glory of God on earth. They bring the law accusing this woman of something. She's caught in the act. I mean, firstly, what were they doing looking at her in the act? That in itself is bad. So they're not pointing fingers at them saying, "Oh, Moses law says, hey, my eyes were looking at you know, at a woman in in adultery." They're not pointing at their mistake, they're pointing at somebody else's mistake, but they're bringing this woman to trap Jesus and so Jesus figures it out, but he does not even respond to them the first time. How many of us go to God praying, "God, I'm a sinner." You're a, you're a son of God, but your definition of your identity is that you're a sinner. And you God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against the angels and everybody's left me. Nobody's around me and you know, all my oh, I have pain in my body and you know, I have bills and all of this because it's because of me, God. And we wonder why God we don't hear God's voice. It's because he doesn't grace doesn't respond to an accusation of sin. Grace, the grace of God, the faculty of hearing, grace and truth don't respond to an accusation of sin because grace if grace and truth have have to manifest, it will reveal the glory of God. That's when it begins to manifest. That's when grace will respond in your life. Is when you come to God with the truth when you come to god saying i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus you don't come to god saying you're a sinner you go to god saying god i'm righteous i have made mistakes but i know that you don't look at me according to my mistakes you look at me according to righteousness you see me right so i believe how you see me god this is very important church And it's so they they bring this woman to her Jesus doesn't even respond to her respond to them and so he takes the law and he questions them with the law you must understand to a person who's under the law Jesus begins to respond the law begins to convict them itself he says if you have not sinned anyone among you have not sinned let him cast the first stone of course they are under the law they believe they are sinners they will never amount to anything good of course they have no accusation against this woman and so from the oldest why the oldest because they've sinned more all the way to the youngest who has sinned less they all drop their stones and walk away just by one question but god does not even accuse the woman he does not even agree with the accusations so when we go to god accusing someone of what they've done god does not even respond he does not even respond in fact he will reveal the law in your heart it's so amazing that we think that we can bring accusations against other people before god and we cause god judge in your throne yeah but you must understand that grace does not look at a person as a sinner grace looks at a person 
according to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have to look at people according to the way God sees them. God looks at a person who's not even in the kingdom as if they are righteous. Why? It's because if God has to look at them as sinners, they have no hope of being saved. This is powerful. Before you got saved, God chose you. He chose you to be in his kingdom. He chose you to be a son and a daughter. But but for him to to look at you, he has to see you the way he sees Jesus, even while you were in your sin. The Bible says, while you were yet in sin, Christ died for you. This is powerful. And when they were all gone, Jesus asked, where are your accusers? Where is the law? Where is the law that is revealing your sin? And he said, the law doesn't exist. The law is not accusing me anymore. So if the law is not accusing you and nobody else is accusing you, I don't accuse you either. So powerful. So powerful the way God is training his church today. The way God is training us today. The way he educates us. The way he causes us to change. The way we, 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 we have, we, we, he, he causes us to repent or change the way we think is by, by looking, by turning. He cause, gives us grace to turn and look at Jesus. He doesn't even point out our flaws. It's so amazing. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The way we come out of sin is by looking at the glory that is revealed by grace and truth. One encounter with the glory of God set a woman free from the accusations of the law and being under the influence of sin. Just one encounter. Just one encounter with grace and truth. Just one moment where she stopped looking at herself and started looking at Jesus. One encounter. One encounter. Today you're sitting here. Today you might be listening to this message. You might be even driving and and listening to this message in your car. Or you might be watching this as a church service or or whatever it is. And you have, have always believed that you're a sinner and you'll never amount to anything good. I want to tell you that God does not see you that way. God sees you according to His Son. And He looks at you as a righteous man. As a righteous woman. There's a glory on the inside of you that God has placed. And every time you look at the glory of the sun, you receive an impartation and you move from one level of glory to another level of glory. You come out from a place of sin because the glory of God enlightens you. The glory of God begins to to reveal Jesus to you. It begins to reveal truth. It begins to reveal the grace of God to you. And I want to welcome you into into a grace way of living. I, I want you to come out of the law. I want you to stop looking at the law and living according to the law of Moses. The law of Moses. Jesus came and he fulfilled all righteousness. He fulfilled all the laws. He fulfilled all the prophets. He fulfilled them. There's no more any need for you to fulfill the law anymore. But the new covenant is that that God has inscribed the law upon our hearts. He's inscribed His word upon our hearts. You have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You have the glory of God living on the inside of you. All you got to do is look on the inside of you. Every time you see, every time you hear God's word, Instead of going, wow, what a good revelation. I want to encourage you to shift your gaze of being a connoisseur to being transformed by the word. Being transformed by the grace of God. 
I want you to shift your gaze off yourself. Shift your gaze off the flaws of people. Shift your gaze off the flaws that are in your life itself. If you want change in your life, you've got to shift your gaze upon Jesus, the glory of the Son. When you shift your gaze upon the glory of the Son, then the glory that is on the Son begins to manifest on the inside of you. You must understand that all of creation carries within itself the glory of God. And they are longing. They, it, it, they, they are under futility. They will perish under a fading glory if you do not understand that you can manifest the glory of the Son only by grace and truth. All of creation is looking for the sons to mature. How do you mature? Uh, the, all, all of the, the sons to reveal themselves. How do you reveal the glory of God? How do you reveal that you are a son, a mature, a who your son? Is when you live by grace. When grace begins to equip you and teach you and lead you. When you look at life through the lens of grace, that God is not angry with you. God is not looking to punish you. God is not looking to judge you. In fact, God has a beautiful way of changing your life. In grace, He just causes you to turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this world will grow faintly dim in the light of His glory and grace. So I want to bless you today. I want to declare God's abundant grace upon your life. We're no longer under the law. As long as you are tutored under the law, you will remain immature. And a lot of Christians have remained immature in their walk with God. Yes, you've been in the kingdom for 40, 50 years. Yeah, for sure. You know all the big names in the kingdom of God. For sure you know them. But you are still under the law because you are manifesting a glory that is fading away. It's momentum, momentary glory. But God wants, what God's heart is for you is that you would have an abundance and ever increasing glory. So I want to bless you. I want to declare long life over you. I want to declare God's grace upon you that this week you will have a graceful week. This week you will have a truthful week. Remember, truth is not about the truth, the facts about people's flaws. Truth is speaking the word of God. When you speak the truth, when you speak about the Son, in grace, you give life wherever you speak. So I bless you and I declare long life over you. In Jesus' name, amen.